Hey friends, welcome to the Next Step Leadership Podcast, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. I'm Tracy Reynolds, and my partner for the Next Step journey is Chris Maxwell. Together we hope to inspire, assist, and create the confidence you need to take your next step in your personal growth, spiritual growth, vocation, or even your calling. Thanks for joining us. Well, come on, let's dive into this week's episode of Next Step Leadership. Welcome to Next Step Leadership. I'm Chris Maxwell and enjoying another conversation with Tracy Reynolds. Hey, Chris. This is so much fun. Today, we have with us, via the the miracle of technology, Michelle Pilar. Mm. I remember Michelle as a contemporary Christian music artist uh, in the 70s, 80s, 90s. And to have her on the other side of this is just absolutely amazing. Now, she's a singer, songwriter. uh, She writes, uh, and she has an amazing personality. So welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's so nice to have you. Thank you, Chris and Tracy. It's really, really great to be with you. And I mean that. I do a lot of interviews, you know, as you know, and... And you two and your school and everything you both are connected with is just, I don't know, you're just my favorites. So don't tell anybody that. But I'm, you know, Chris, Chris and I have wanted to do this for so long. So I'm excited about our time today. Well, thinking about, uh, you know, your story and then our story, um, you know, years ago being a, a DJ playing your music. And then uh, watching you in concert, and then uh, writing reviews about you, and then since then just connecting and having conversations, and uh, inviting you to speak, um, and reading your book. Uh, your story is amazing, and like so many stories, there are sad parts to the story, and we'll get there. But uh, yeah, just uh, tell everybody. Let's kind of start with your music. Um, and those some of those things that made you famous, and then we'll go from there to uh, the painful experiences that you had to deal with. You got it. Um, you know, just what comes to my mind when you first said what you said, Chris, is that you know you read in Scripture God turns our mourning, you know, into dancing, and our our sadness into gladness, and and you know we can read those words, but when you live them. And God really does that for a human being. You can, you know, jump up and down and, and thank him that his word is true. So nothing is ever lost in God. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, I started singing in nightclubs when I was 16 in Southern California. And I, I was not yet a follower of Jesus. And I knew I could sing because God placed that in in my vocal cords. You know, the I, say, I always say some people can run fast and... Some people can jump high, and I was able to sing. And I never knew why until I came to know Jesus. And there I was singing in nightclubs, and I came to know the Lord. <laughs> and I started, I started going back to work at night in the clubs, you know, and then witnessing to people during the breaks. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, I wasn't supposed to be in the bar because I was only 16. But I lied about my age. I told him I was 18, and uh, so they allowed me to do that. And, and it gave me a, my first kind of mission field was talking with drunk people um, in between songs. And 
uh, seeing God touch people even when they were intoxicated. So, you know, then I just said, Lord, you know, do you want me to stay here and do what I'm doing or do you have something else for me? And not long after that, Tommy Coombs, who was in the band Love Song originally, he was also the producer of the Maranatha Praise albums, which were the Mm -hmm. very first contemporary praise records ever. And I sang Thou Art Worthy on the Praise 2 album. And uh, then later I sang Jesus, What a Wonder You Are, and in a song called In Moments Like These. And so my little voice hit the airwaves, and um, the Lord just uh, catapulted it from there. Uh, and it, and we're so thankful for your voice. Um, and as many people continued listening to your voice and, and hearing your songs and getting to know your story, you were influencing uh, encouraging and and bringing people to the Lord, uh, but then the next season of your life was not all pleasant. As you became famous, there was some pain along the journey. Yes, absolutely. You know what? I I wish you know you always wish you could go back and talk to your younger self um, because you could comfort and enlighten your younger self um, in a real way and and give warning signs. Um, you know, we really were discipling an entire generation, those of us who were on the radio back then. We were discipling our peers, and we didn't really understand that that's what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And there were some pitfalls in that, because whenever you're doing something amazing for God, the enemy will truly try to stop that. And that's a very real battle. And if you're not aware that that is real, and if you're not um, cognizant of the fact that the battle lines have been drawn, um, you can be caught off guard. And so I began to be so busy. I was, I was doing about 200 dates a year, 200 concerts a year, wow. um, just you know, besides that, and then interviewing and different things. You just don't have time that you need to sit before God, honestly. So whenever you're so busy that you haven't had time to be quiet with the Lord on a constant basis, that's the first precursor to falling or getting yes. caught off guard. So, uh, yeah, I was I was uh, Grammy nominated three times and on the Grammy Awards and at the Billy Graham Crusade singing in front of thousands. And I was still so broken from my childhood. Um, I loved Jesus, but there were a lot of places Jesus had not yet touched and not yet healed. And I was somehow under the false uh, belief that when you become a Christian, all things become new instantly. Mm-hmm. But but that's not how it works. They, they become new, but the process of restoration is, is a lifelong process, and I didn't understand that. So you had the combination of super busy, not mining the store, and then still being very broken from living in a non-Christian home, growing up in a Christian non-Christian home where my both my parents drank and all three of my sisters were addicted to whatever. And, and so there was a lot of brokenness there. And you put all that together and mix it up in a bag. And in 1985, I made the grave mistake of having an affair with a married man when I was at the height of my career. So that's the quickest way I can tell you about getting from point A to point B. And from there... Of course, everything fell to the ground in a million pieces. And then what do you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, boy, 
Well, I appreciate your honesty. I'm sorry for Absolutely. Uh, all that you've gone through. But as Tracy and I have these conversations, Michelle, we have many people that are listening who are in different seasons of leadership, uh, of guiding and leading others. And so if you're, if you're willing, I'd love for you to, to go even farther with that. And how did you respond uh, when things seemed to fall apart? Yeah, you know, it's pretty basic, Chris, but the, our human nature is to grab a Band-Aid when something hurts. Mm. That's just how we're wired. Um, shame and guilt and different things and being exhausted spiritually, being uh, having questions that have never been answered spiritually and emotionally, all of that kind of builds up in the in the spirit man of of who we are and and then we when we're, the pain becomes unbearable, we'll grab a band-aid. Mm-hmm. And so my band-aid was having an affair because this person was listening to me and sympathizing with my schedule. And, you know, all of that looks all good on the surface. But, you know, you have an affair or whatever choice you make to jump into the into the stew. And you think that's going to fix it, but it doesn't. It only makes it worse. And then you lose more and, and everything's devastated. And then now you not only have to find answers for what you originally had answers um, for but but you have to now do damage control. God has to step in and you know you're, do more work because now you're so damaged. So that's where I found myself, and I I moved back into my mother's home, the home that I had grown up in. I was trying to escape, mm-hmm. and as as a believer in Christ, I thought I'd escaped that house and the horrors of that house, and then there I was back sitting on the bed that I had hidden under as a child to escape my mother's violence and all that stuff, all that crazy stuff. There I was right back where I started. And I was pretty distraught and I was actually thinking about suicide. And and that's the ultimate goal of, of the enemy in any of our lives is to just not only destroy us in every way he can, but just to give us such a sense of hopelessness that we feel worthless and we feel like a liability that it'd be better if we just weren't here. And, and that's the ultimate lie. And so I found myself there, and uh, I was sitting on that bed with a, a handful of pills in my hand. It was 1985. And, I, I, and you know this, Chris, but I had an encounter in that moment, truly with the darkness. And this, this, this dark being walked into the room and started talking to me. Now, if somebody would have walked in the room and opened the door and looked in, they wouldn't have seen this this thing. But I could see him clear as I'm talking to you. And we began to have a conversation, and I just said, you know, I've been running from you all my life, and I can't run anymore, so help me get this done. If, if, you're, such, if you're so strong, help me do this. Help me take these pills. And we had a, we talked it out, and he conv- he was trying to convince me that I was worthless, and that mm. it would be better if I weren't around anymore. And and uh, he was just really saying things like, "Where's Jesus now? I mean, you gave your life to Jesus, but I'm the only one that showed up here tonight. Mm. And um, where is he? You know, you gave him your music, you gave him your youth, you gave him your time." You've led thousands and thousands of people to Jesus, and he didn't even show up tonight. Mm-hmm. And 
That was devastating. And the enemy will do that. He'll try to convince you that God isn't who he he says he is. And right about then, I just buried my, my face in my hands and I prayed. And I said, God, I don't want to do this, but I can't find you. I can't see you. I don't feel you. I, I don't know who I don't know who you are really. And I somehow this this my faith didn't work for me. Your plan didn't work for me. And I was apologizing to God mm. for failing so miserably and failing him so miserably. And I felt someone sit down on the bed next to me. And it scared me because I thought I was by myself and the room was dark. And I, but I felt a physical presence sit down next to me and he put his arm around my shoulders. And, and in that moment, I knew that it was Jesus. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how I knew that, but I knew it was Jesus. Now, nothing like that has ever happened to me again. Um, I wasn't drinking. I wasn't on any kind of drugs. I wasn't sleeping. I was fully awake, but, but it was very real. And I always tell people God went to serious measures yeah. because I was in a serious situation. And I hurt for those who are in that place. And I just want them to know that Jesus is right as close as your breath. And all you have to do is cry out to him and say, God, I, I need you. I, I don't want to do this. And he, and he a, will be there. What a powerful story of the grace of God and God meeting you, Michelle, right where you are at, at your point of weakness and he was there all the time, but we didn't sense his presence. We, you, you, couldn't, uh, you, you couldn't know that, not at that moment. Uh, wow. I think there are people that need to hear that yeah. even now, right now, that God is with them, regardless of the pain, Emmanuel. And it may not feel like he's there. Like you said, he felt a million miles away, but he says he would never leave us. He would never forsake us. Um, and it's in him we live and move and have our being. And those aren't just words, are they? No, they're not. And when um, when we pray to God, he that's the only step we need to remember when we feel like we've drifted a million miles away from him. Because remember the beginning of the story is that I had drifted. Even though I was in full-time ministry, and saying all the right things from the stage that were from my heart, from an intimacy standpoint, I had lost my intimacy with God. So I couldn't, like you said, Tracy, I couldn't feel him, but that didn't change him. That only changed me. But he was still right there, and he's no further away than our breath and a prayer. And he doesn't care what you did, he he doesn't he he doesn't shun or walk away. He's not appalled because he knew we were going to do it before we did it. Yeah, it was no surprise to him what I did. He mm-hmm. saw it coming before I did, and I'm sure there were a million warning signs along the way. But again, I couldn't. I, I'd lost touch with him. So yeah, as soon as I prayed, he was right there, and he began to talk to me. Jesus. And it's in my book, Untangled. It's in the very first chapter. I remembered it word for word for many years. And when I wrote that chapter, I didn't think it would be in a book. I simply wrote it because it started to get a little foggy and I didn't want to forget what had happened. 
So one day I said, oh gosh, it's, it had been a, quite a few years. I thought, I need to write this. I need to document what happened. So I documented everything the enemy said to me, and then I documented everything Jesus said to me. And by the way, when Jesus sat down on that bed next to me, the enemy was gone. I mean, the next time I looked up into the far corner of my room, I mean, he was gone. Just the presence of God, the enemy truly does flee. He, he runs for his life. And so Jesus began to tell me who I am in him and how tangled I was and that he began to tell me how I'd only given him parts of my life, but I had sequestered parts of my life that I didn't know how to give him. And, and that now that we were alone and connected again and everyone else was gone, the career was gone, the accolades were gone, the, everything was gone. It, it was back to the basics with me and Jesus and that we were going to untangle And I actually saw a ball of string in my lap that was this huge, about as big as a basketball, tangled ball of of string. And he said, Michelle, that's your life. And I said, yeah, you're right. And, And he said, I could touch it and untangle it with one touch, but you would walk right out of here and you would tangle it up again because you have no idea of how this happened and how you got tangled. And that's what we're going to work on. And when we're done, we're going to untangle one knot and it's going to reveal the next. And underneath that is the next. And underneath that and underneath that. And you will have understanding and forgiveness and grace and wisdom. And you will walk out of here and you will you will be different than you are right now. And so that's when I began to untangle with the Lord. And that's called restoration. That is called uh, restoration in Christ. Beautiful. Michelle, this is... Uh... Just a reminder again of what uh, God does as He comes and rescues us and heals us. Uh, I was listening. I was listening to your song as I was driving over here. I had about a uh, not quite an hour drive, uh, and I was just listening to Untangled again and again. And I was thinking of so many people that are trapped and tangled. Uh, before we end this first uh, podcast, just take a minute or so and give some suggestions to our to today's leaders and to anyone who's listening about how they can take the steps to no longer just be trapped and tangled but to find God's experience of untangling us it's just it's an honesty that has to take place it's a surrender it's always so basic it's a surrendering and realizing that there's no shame in Christ and that we don't get brownie points for pretending like we're okay when we're not. We can't give what we don't have. And that God is going to take a moment to work on these things in the private, and He'll still use us along the way. He, you might sit on the sidelines for a minute, or you might not sit on the sidelines at all. Because God, God doesn't use that as a punishment. He just wants to untangle us. And I've talked to people, leaders that do both. Some of them take a take a break. Some of them don't. And there's no wrong plan there. It's just whatever God has in mind. Because God can untangle while he's still using us in full-time ministry. And, and that's fine, too, if that's the case. But you have to... I started making lists. I started just writing down in a, in a little book, like what hurt and when it happened, starting back with my mother and then working forward and jumping back and forth in time and just bringing, you know, casting my cares on the Lord, but writing it down and having it hit the light and then looking at it and then saying, Lord, let's take these one at a time. 
starting with what jumps off the page first, and then bringing it before the Lord and setting it at his feet and saying, Jesus, help me. How did this happen and how can I be restored? And then going into his word, praying and going into his word. I, I mean, Google is as funny as it sounds. It's a great source. If there's a key word in that sentence that you've written in that book about that pain, you Google and you say, what is the Bible say about such and such, or you just start to search his scriptures and you, the Lord will use his living word to bathe that and bring understanding and wisdom and healing through the power of his word and the power of his Holy Spirit. And those all work together and he touches and, and, and it doesn't take long. Um, and, and then you go to the next thing on your list and that list never stops. It, it's a lifelong list that you add to the Bible. You check them off and you be, become restored and then forgiveness comes and forgiving others, forgiving my mother. We can get into that. But um, yeah. there's all the, there are all these layers that all equal restoration. Yeah. Well, well, I just appreciate you being honest with us. And, and Tracy, I think we need to continue this conversation in the next podcast and kind of start here and then move toward uh, some more information about her books and what she's doing. Michelle, we appreciate you. Thanks for your honesty. And we'll carry the conversation on uh, as we're just continuing to learn ways to make our next step our best step. Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, the weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you dropped in. You can find us on all your favorite podcast providers. Do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Check out our show notes for more information regarding guest contact information. Chris Maxwell's 11th book, Equilibrium, 31 Ways to Stay Balanced on Life's Uneven Surfaces, is available now at www.chrismaxwell.me or Amazon, where you can find all of Chris's previous books as well. Our featured music is by Casual Americans. You can find their new musical releases at www.casualamericans.com or at your favorite music suppliers. We release Next Steps Leadership each Thursday, so join us again next week on The Next Step Journey, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. Bye.